up? Jake, welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Kate, welcome. Welcome to the pod. Woo. First of all, hello. Thank you for being here. Here today we have Jake Kluver and Mike Mata. Yeah. Two BFFs who they've started a business together. Hannah asked me and she's like, oh my gosh, two business part business partners talking with business partners. But then we Googled it and I guess to have a business you have to, you know, make money from yeah. it. And we don't, we're not doing I know. That, so. You guys are far more official in every way. <laughs> I mean, technically, we do have an LLC, I guess. Exactly. It is legit. Legit, legit cool. Is that what LLC stands for? Obviously. Mm-hmm. What does it actually That's why stand we for? we got it. Limited Liability Company. Oh, Limited Liability. You thought he wasn't ready for that answer. He was ready. He was very ready. <laughs> I should have known. I should probably disclose. I'm dating Jake. In fact, we are living together and romantically involved. Done. And then a good follow-up would be that he and I are legally bound yeah. um, together. Yeah. That is a good follow-up for life. Which is, is honestly what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. Good, yeah. That's yeah. so true. I mean, we are like work wives, business spouses, Married. all the above. Mm-hmm. I do feel uh, behind the curve sometimes. You know what? I'll just be the team embroiderer. There you go. Perfect. One of many roles. <laughs> I think you're a... An avid supporter. Avid supporter. Yeah. yeah. As you I both are. Your I would number say. one fan that you can't get rid of because I live with. It's you. better. For now. For now. Oh shit, Mike, are you moving in or I'm moving out? I guess that's post podcast talk. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Do we need to move back in with each other? Huh. <sighs> okay, well, anyway. So, given that you guys are legally bound and practically business married, how did you first meet? Good question. So we gazed like into each other's eyes via Zoom. Really? Oh, that's so sweet. Two years. Mm-hmm. Two years. Okay. A little over two now. It's A little over two for being technical. Okay, because the way that the way that I was describing approaching this interview to my roommates mm-hmm. was two BFFs who they've started a business together. Two new BFFs. Two newly newlyweds. Newly yeah. Newlyweds? I like to start they're... with BFS because you know we're we're friends first and then business partners. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's very mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so before we get into like the nitty gritty of what you guys are doing together as business creators, first of all, I want to talk about the entire topic of sports psychology, sport and performance psychology. Would you? Please first explain that to somebody who doesn't know anything about it, like myself. What do you know about it? Well, I do live with you. I know. If you were to uh, describe it, yeah, to Hannah. That's a man. That's a good I, question. Actually, this isn't the first turn we're gonna take to see. You. <laughs> well, Shit. I guess I should have seen that coming. Are you gonna, we're interviewing yeah, you. Uh, actually, that's, you're gonna rocket every question right back at us. Not oh, crap. Some of them. Sports and performance psychology is working on your mental skill set to improve how you interact with the world and kind of how you perceive things because the purpose, well, not the purpose of life, but we make our own meaning. And so if you have the skills to do that in a way that benefits you and your sport and or performance, whether that's military, business, school, sport, um, <laughs> podcast podcast yeah we actually that's why we called you here today because we really need help, help. improving our performance you don't on this do that pod. oh you're not here for I that I disagree oh, I oh so kind yeah. thank spot. you yeah. but yeah how'd I do is that 
Close? Great. I think that's a fantastic answer. Yeah. Okay, from the horse's mouth. What would you guys say to uh, a <laughs> to a, a fifth grader wanting like seeing? Picture this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Picture it. You guys are successful business people. You have somehow caught the attention of youth. Maybe you have a child and you're going to talk to their class. Yes. How would you explain sport and performance psychology to them to get them interested to help them understand what this even is? And maybe be your clients. <clears throat> I got a good answer. Mm-hmm. Go for it. If it's a kid, which Jake and, I, Jake and I have worked with a bunch of kids at Winter Park, um, one thing we do is try to make it so it's like appealing to them, like they're leveling up their mind. So we like kind of put it in the context of like gamification. So they're like leveling up at different skills, and um, we've even put it in the context of like Minecraft, for example. Nice. That's the best context to yeah. use with children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That does or make Roblox. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to play that, but I mean, that's all I talk about with kids. Sometimes. I'm pretty sure they Roblox is a platform for with many, games. right? Like yeah. Hundred thousand. I know. Oh, I know. I didn't know either for the longest time. Well, we learn new things every day. Okay. Level up our mental performance. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Jake? Um, I would add, just add on to that. I think another way we could say it is your mind is a muscle, just like all the other like muscles in your body that you might train. Like if you're going to go to the gym and do some bicep curls to make your arms stronger, we can do similar exercises that we'd call like mental skills training in order to strengthen your mind and your mindset. So you don't call them hippocampus curls? Mm. Or you could. You could. <laughs> <laughs> Call them cranial contractions. Oh, I, I, I like that's yeah. even better. That that's new? even better. That is new. TM. <laughs> so, what was it that made you guys decide to pursue this field? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the magic question. I mean, that we've both been asked, I think, many times before. Um, so, it's maybe more of a long winded answer. That's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I mean, I think I was mentioning it to Mike just before we started, but I think part of at least why I got into it, uh, this field of performance psychology is a little bit of like uh, past trauma um, mm-hmm. within my own sport, within my own experience in sport. What sports did you participate in in school? I ran track and field and cross country at the University of Minnesota Duluth. I, ran, I started running in about eighth grade when I joined the track team because I was the fastest one on my middle school lacrosse team. And so I had <laughs> I had <laughs> some friends who told me I should try out for track, and so I did and loved it. Being a college athlete, like I had great teammates and a great school to go to, but didn't quite have, I would say... A supportive coaching system or support network in that way. It was kind of like an absentee coach situation. I mean, like towards the junior year, I would say of my time at UMD, like the role of coaching and the role of like coming up with workouts and coordinating everything kind of fell on the captains. Um, Which you were one of, correct? In my senior year, but I watched the, the seniors in my junior year go through that same experience and then had to step into that role in my senior year. And so that was just a lot of extra stress because you're not only trying to compete to the best of your ability as an athlete, but you're also trying to help your fellow teammates do the same thing. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's not what I would have expected at all from especially a collegiate level sport. Yeah. I mean, I I felt the same way. I think a lot of us did. And 
I don't, I don't have any ill will towards the coach today, but it was, I think we all expected more from him and wish that it could have been different because we were all trying to be the best athletes we could. And so we, you know, whether it was having conversations with our AD or AD other being athletic director okay. to try and see if we could change the coaching situation, nothing just, nothing seemed to happen. Okay. And so it was kind of like a helpless just yeah. situation of like, well, this is what you're going to have for your time here. Sounds like it was pretty formative, though. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, I learned a lot about how to coach myself and a lot about how to, you know, design training programs and things like that. And I would say definitely made me more resilient because I didn't have somebody to go Mm. talk to about it, somebody to give me feedback after a race. Mm. They say feedback is the most important part of any learner's experience. If you don't have feedback, you, you don't learn. Who is they? (laughs) the articles I've been reading. (laughs) So then how did that lead you to uh, sport and performance psychology? Well, I mean, I kind of left out a huge piece of that experience, which was injury. I mean, I had multiple injuries in my four years, whether it was a stress fracture or simple nagging injuries that runners get, like Mm -hmm. runner's knee or like um, shin splints. Um, I also had a stress fracture in my femur during my junior year. Yikes. Yeah, which that kept me out for about eight months. And so, I mean... Damn, eight months? Like, a femur injury in general sounds terrible, but then you add stress fracture to that, and I just think, hell, on earth. I don't get it. I hell don't understand. Hell, in femur. It took a couple doctor visits of them, like, physically testing the bone. Ooh. Like, pushing yeah. it for me to, like, for them to know it was a, a stress fracture, because they didn't show up on an x-ray. Ugh. So it's that microscopic. Yeah. Okay, I just watched the movie, Brittany Runs a Marathon. Have you guys seen it? I have not. Mm -mm. Okay, have you seen it, Kate? No, but it sounds like something I would watch. Okay, it's good. It's about this girl's journey through, like, self-love. Is her name Brittany, and does she run a marathon? Yes, she runs a fucking marathon. Is it by chance Brittany's ears? It's a beautiful story. I cried at the (gasps) end. It's the week before the marathon, and she gets um, a stress fracture. (gasps) And, like, the movie depicts her going through, like, the recovery stage, Mm -hmm. the pain, the everything... I didn't realize how serious they were and how fucked up they were until watching that movie. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not fun. It's an injury you really can't see, so that also makes it difficult. I didn't feel like it was okay to be out because I didn't have, like, a visible injury. At least that's how I felt at times. I definitely judged myself, but I also, like, I think projected that onto other people. Like, I felt like they were judging me, even though I don't think they were. But, I mean, it's simply just an... Like, it is a bone break, uh, but it comes on through repetitive stress. That's insane. But it's like a micro fracture, um, but it, you still feel the pain of a fracture. And Did it hurt? Yes. <laughs> yes. A teeny bit. Just, Just to, to add to the not greatness of stress fractures, um, there's no timeline either. Like it differs for everyone because every stress fracture is a different size. Full disclosure, I'm not a doctor, but I've had a, I've had a stress fracture I as really well. I thought you were a doctor. It seemed like it for a second. But... Honestly, I've had one as well, and, and I think that stress fractures add an extra mental piece to the game, yeah. to the rehab game. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Mike, what, where did you, what did you fracture stressfully? <laughs> it was, yeah, um, it was a metatarsal. Oh, yeah. I was getting what exactly is that? That is one of the main bones in your feet. Mm-hmm. But like your main foot, not like your... Your appendage. Uh, your secondary yeah, foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah my... I, I like to call it my lucky foot. <laughs> oh, no. That's what I'm saying. So, stress yeah. fracture in your theme. Yes. Femur. <laughs> Which took me out of cross country and most of track. 
And how did that lead you to where you are now? How did that bring you to limits? Well, yeah, <laughs> there's yes. a lot obviously in between, but I mean, yeah. through those injuries, I mean, I didn't have a coach obviously to really get me through. I had my teammates, which were super helpful, but I didn't have a designated person to help me go through my rehabilitation and come back mentally stronger, mentally ready to compete. I had great trainers, athletic trainers to help me come back stronger and healthier, uh, which I did ultimately, which was, you know, a huge mental boost, but I still wasn't able to deal with like what I had experienced after the injury. I mean, there was a huge loss of identity. I mean, there's grief that comes with that. You're not able to do the thing you love. You're, there's isolation. You're separated from your teammates. I mean, so I was like, you know, lonely. I was feeling guilty for being injured it's just a huge mix of emotions and it's super difficult to parse out and process. I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't, like if I was, you know, different physically or different mentally, like I I am a combination of the two um, and they make me who I am. So to say that you can come back, you know, yourself after an injury with just physical rehabilitation is not true. Mm. You know, mental rehabilitation is also critical and I didn't have that. Right there is the... I would say main driving force behind what why I got into the field and I think also behind what we do at Limitless Mental Performance. Um, I, I want to go back and be the resource that I didn't have for those athletes and also just for performers and people in general who want to get better at their craft. Yeah, I think you said it quite eloquently when you can't do the thing you love and there's a sense of grief and loss and just disconnect that comes with that. It doesn't matter if it's running or music or business. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that you need a specific set of mental skills to be able to get through confidently and just come out on the other side. Yeah. So Mike, we turn to you. How did you become interested in the field of sport and performance psychology? I think I would probably echo Jake that a lot of people in this field, particularly, particularly us, but I think a lot of people in this field join this field because they were lacking something in their athletic or performance experience. So for me, personally, it was a pretty traumatic injury that happened when I was 14 years old. So I did the, all the team sports until I was a teenager, and then when I was, I was riding dirt bikes throughout, but then when I turned like 13, my family decided to start like racing dirt bikes with a family friend of ours. With dirt bike racing, is that similar? I'm just remembering like the shorts on Disney Channel. <laughs> That's my only. Like, what was that movie called? That was a good movie. Oh, they did have a movie about it. Was it was really good. Um, was it Dirt Bike Mike? Dirt <gasps> Bike Mike? No way would it be. That? I don't think so. But I, don't I think, think so. it should be. No, but a nickname was Mikey Mikey Motorcycle. Mikey Mikey Motorcycle. Yeah, I gotta give Motocrossed. Was it motocross? Yeah, for sure. That's, that's what it was. It. Yes, yes. Um, when you are dirt bike racing, is it a course where, you know, there's like ramps and whatnot? Or is it truly just straight, like flat land and you're seeing how fast you can go? The former. So the first one you said. Um, at least the, the series I was doing was kind of like a nationals format. So it was, um, you know, upstate New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Jersey area. You know, my family started, like, we bought a trailer, we started traveling with a family friend, and we just hit races and stuff. Um, that lasted about two years, and then I faced one injury that was pretty severe. It was a fib-tib shatter. 
um, what happened was I was racing in 85cc at that point, so it was kind of like working my way up to the bigger series and the more serious stuff. So I overshot a jump and landed with my leg down. Came back pretty strong, had like super strong support network, um, and I just wasn't giving it up. Like no matter what my parents said, I was just gonna get a bike and do it. Um, and then after that, after I rehabbed, it took about eight months. Um, and then I upgraded bikes. So that changed the game. Um, I went to like a YZ125 and then a YZ250F. And then jumps got bigger, training got more intense. Um, and it just was a quick progression for me. I didn't have coaching, so I think that was a pretty big factor for me, just like Jake. I kind of just went right back into it. And then I was training one day. And then on the, the ride back from home, uh, what happened was I was riding on a street um, and for dirt bikes like that aren't like street ready, they have like treads on the tire. Mm-hmm. What happened was a car stopped short ahead of me and I slammed on the brakes and the treads didn't really catch on the road. So the bike got dumped and I was sliding on my chest protector. From the perspective of like a 13, 14 year old boy on a uh-huh. motorcycle on the, the roads where he's not supposed to be. I didn't have the street smarts so I was like kind of gunning it just being like a 13-year-old boy, right? Yeah, yeah. and just not paying enough attention, um, looking for, like, where I could go home through a trail. Um, and then while I was looking over, I didn't really have much time to process what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I saw in front of me was just red brake lights, so uh-huh. I just had to slam. Uh, and in the process, I just dumped the bike and then uh, hit into the back of, like, a van's bumper. Oh, my God. With my foot, which was in a steel toe boot, which is why I'm here today. Wait. What? Wait, okay, would so you have know? died had it not been for that boot? I don't know what would have happened, but if the boot didn't instinctually go up as I was sliding on my chest protector on the concrete, the neck would have been next, and motocross oh. helmets like go like three or four inches out from your chin. Uh-huh. So it could have just like ruined my life, yeah. Holy shit. So did you realize when that happened how close of a call it actually was? It took like eight years, ten years to figure out what, what actually happened. Whoa couple experiences throughout the process where like a doctor with the power differential would tell me that I can't walk again normal ever again mm. and would just make that claim when they left the room I'd be like to my parents I'd be like fuck that you know like let's figure this out but like certain that that's quite powerful that you had the wherewithal to say I don't accept that because yeah, I yeah. would have just accepted it as what it is because the doctor was telling me and they're more powerful you know yeah for sure that's why I'm in the field is like yeah you realize like how much awareness building could have been done through the process. So definitely like, it's obviously like it gets easier as you tell the story, mm-hmm. but like something I like, you, I don't know if anyone saw me like, take like a deep breath when it started getting like a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a good example of how you could use mental skills training in daily life. So yeah. So I'm sure it can't be easy for either of you or anybody to recall some of the most intense struggles that you've had relating to your own physical ability and mental capability to execute those skills? <sighs> I don't know, guys. I mean, deep breath. Yeah, you Shit. took a deep breath there. I mean, I definitely yeah. felt my chest tighten up when I was telling my yeah. story, too. I mean, yeah. just that like internal kind of fear. If I'm in the middle of a presentation, like I'll take a deep breath and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that models for the viewer that like what we do is okay. Mm-hmm. For sure. So mm-hmm. That's a good point. Okay. So, in starting Limitless Mental Performance, LLC, can you address, first of all, LLC, that means? 
limited liability corporation. And what does that mean? Basically, uh, <laughs> it is an entity that we work under in order to limit our personal liability. Mm-hmm. Okay. So legally, the entity is responsible and is considered a legal person versus you being the legal person. Just cool. as you can sue Argentina and you're not suing a specific person within Argentina, you're suing the entity of That's amazing. Argentina. That's mm-hmm. great. That sounds very safe yep. and smart. That's the point. <laughs> what is Limitless Mental Performance? Simply put, we are a team of mental performance consultants dedicated to enriching the lives of our clients through tailored mental skills training. Some of those mental skills could include um, self-regulation skills, emotional literacy, values-based action, just to name a few. Let the client lead the way toward their definition of a meaningful and fulfilled life. Notice how we didn't say like successful life because that might be different subjective per performer. Mm. True. He kept it, yeah. That's a good point. That was good. That's a very good point. Mike, how would you answer that question? Would you like to answer it differently? Yeah, I'll answer it different, but that was great. Just to build off what Jake said, but let's make it, let's make it more specific and like, let's give it a context. Sure. So let's say someone is trying to rehab, right? Like they have a torn ACL or something, right? What Jake and I would do is a refer to the research as to when is an appropriate time to intervene with this type of intervention. But one thing that is really, really helpful for them is to just like use visualization in the context of injury. So imagining that your ACL is healing with, you know, different like sensory inputs to that visualization script, whether you're like imagining the muscle fibers, like just like forming together and like that forms like a color of like they're locked in and they're healing and like whatever color you want to associate to that, which is another intervention, which we could stack on it called color breathing. Just to put all that mouthful like into a quick bite-sized piece is that like you're imagining the muscle fibers using that healing energy to, to come together, form, mold back into what they were. And you're just sending that healing energy to it through a visualization and breathing exercise together. That's wild. And that's truly beneficial in terms of, physical healing as well research is actually yeah super like super supportive of that and different phases wow. of the rehab yeah that's amazing so very cool speaks to like mind over matter type of piece it's like wherever your mindset is i think that if you're in a good space to use these mental skills they could totally bolster what you're trying to get after no matter what the context wow that's awesome in that same vein are you with the belief that it works the opposite way as well if you're considering if you're, if you're visualizing your ACL torn, broken, and never going to be repaired, is that something that you're kind of almost, uh, is that almost a self-fulfilling prophecy as well? I think it can be. I think it's very important for the consultant to be aware of those things. So like if you're working with a client who is telling you these things, when I try, like for example, like when I try it, just like the opposite's happening or like I can't even take a moment to like think about that because I'm so distracted about the pain. I mean, I think it really just comes down to being mindful of your injury. And, and when I say being mindful of your injury, it doesn't mean just being aware of it. It means being open to the experience, like whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, like you're just trying to objectively look at the experience for what it is rather than how it's experienced, yeah. how you're experiencing it. So. That reminds me of one of my um, favorite affirmations 
that is um, one of my favorite too because you told me yeah. this affirmation um, I accept myself as I am in this moment and that sounds exactly like what you're talking about like it doesn't matter if it's positive positive negative neutral kind of just accepting the reality and thinking like okay what am I going to do next about it yeah something I learned that was just like really impactful for me was that like whether you call it positive or negative kind of creates like a duality which is why I really intentionally use the language of like being like pleasant or unpleasant because that is, you know, a subjective experience. It's not like a duality, like black and white type of thing. That's so cool. I feel like I want to be more mindful of using positive negative versus pleasant unpleasant because a lot of seemingly unpleasant experiences do have a lot of quote unquote positive benefit. Exactly. Yeah. I think exactly. to that point though we give language its own meaning mm-hmm. and, and the culture gives language its meaning as well. So when you're speaking with yourself, if positive and negative don't hold those same connotations of duality to you, mm-hmm. then it might be fine. Truly. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. The way that we talk to ourselves and about ourselves really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, limitless mental performance, what is the population that you're looking to serve? I would say everyone. Everyone and everyone who is pursuing something in life, anyone who has a craft they're trying to um, improve upon, anyone who has a goal, a mission, you know, like it sounds cheesy, but I think one of the things that Mike and I envisioned when we started this company is like the scope of practice in terms of people we want to work with is limitless. Um, we, we, like, we intentionally want to keep it as open as possible because we believe anybody can benefit from the, the like mental skills training. We are technically psychologists. We are not. So we, we should also make that clear. Um, we do not do any clinical work. Right. We strictly focus on performance. I would say in the event that mental health services are necessary, we are trained to refer our clients to providers with clinical licensure. And have that ready to go for anyone who would, would, would uh, request that. When, when, when we say refer out, we want to help that person find the correct care, level of care for those clinical issues. And once that like relationship is reached, we can still work with that individual. Right. Not just pass them along. No. Yeah. We we are hoping to work in tandem with that clinical provider. That's um, awesome. Yeah. 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 Cool. I definitely see the benefit to like warm handoffs, but I think that's also beautiful when like services can overlap and work in tandem with each other, mm-hmm. like you just explained, and anyone who performs can also have mental health issues and. Hannah and I are both examples of that, but I think mental health can be an asset, not a detriment. detriment. Let this be a platform for that, right? Like, let's be open about it. Yeah, Yeah. I think you're on a good track. But Hannah and Jacob both supported me through, you know, some of my most difficult times and have seen me as whole when I can't see myself as whole. It's a fucked up process. It's weird and wild and every single human being has their own relationship with their mental health and it's crazy that we can relate to each other and support each other but each one is so complex just as complex as the next one and it doesn't have to be a positive or negative right. or a right like you're a saying. sense of duality mm-hmm. it yeah. just can be what it is and yeah. we can make our own meaning from that nailed it nailed it <laughs> As you guys have been on this journey through sport and performance psychology, as you have learned about sport and performance psychology, what is something that has surprised you and something that's maybe challenged you or changed the way that you think about the world? 
I think for me is um, just being kind of in tune with like how much of like cultural conditioning goes on in, in the world and just like where you're from and like how that in, um, impacts your biases and, and how you perceive things, you know? Um, I was fortunate to take on the role of DEI chair in the program and I think that really just opened my eyes as to like how each human experience is different. And what how, is DEI? Uh, DEI, a diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay, very cool. I actually was going to ask you about this um, because I'm quite interested in just your experience with that because I, I know you do have a lot of experience with bringing diversity into the conversation and I wanted to know why you're so motivated to cultivate those conversations other than you know, the obvious that it's a cool thing to do. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I like have a ton of. I mean, I don't know how much experience I have as like bringing diversity in the conversation. And there's a term called cultural humility, where you should really um, approach each and every experience and situation as if you're learning rather than assume. So like, that's a big practice that I take into just general life. But um, yeah, when I'm talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion related issues, for sure that the key for me is to like start it off by like saying like it's impossible to know everything so it's it's okay to to not know that reminds me of my favorite quote from bill nye everybody you will ever meet knows something you don't Mm -hmm. exactly i think that being a mixed race like identify as mixed race um very much latino very much native but also different like white populations as well from europe um, on my mother's side so um i think being in this field like we have an opportunity to kind of change that narrative because it has historically really hasn't existed long and for a and b hasn't really catered to people of different ethnicities and backgrounds and that's not to say that anyone's to be blamed for that it's just like what the research is positing and um the systematic yeah i think that that could change and like why not Mm -hmm. absolutely contribute so han and i have been talking a lot as we are bringing this podcast to life about how to make it the most inclusive space we can and how to value and honor all identities, even though we only represent white females. Mm -hmm. Um, But also to be mindful of the fact that you can't ask one person to speak for an entire group of people or an entire identity. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'm just curious what advice you'd have for us going into, you know, this podcast Mm -hmm. And making it a space designed for everyone. Um, the thing you were talking about is like representation burnout, where someone feels the load of their entire, you know, demographic to push, like push forward whatever is best for that demographic. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say that real quick, just to increase that awareness around that representation burnout's a thing, and um, important to be mindful of that. But is me asking this question? Not at all. Bringing, I, th- I think it's. Okay. And what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say is that bringing representation burnout on you? No, no, no. I was going to... My view is that it's bringing awareness to the issue. Okay. And that's a good thing. Because not many people know about that term. But... I didn't myself. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, like, took me a lot of, like, work, like, inner work and stuff. And I recognize that not everyone's, you know, as far into that as I am because it's a super big passion of mine. But I would say y'all are pretty on it. Like, you're mindful of where... I'm pretty assumptuous, but like you're mindful of where you get your products, right? Like you're mindful of like who you're supporting in your business endeavors. And I think also like representing people on your podcast that are like, you know, have different backgrounds is pretty important. Yeah. 
with the acknowledgement like there's always room for everybody yeah, to learn for sure and grow yeah for sure. and, I mean we've already fucked up a million times in so many different ways oh but, yes yeah I, I think it's nice to hear you reiterate kind of what we've been saying to each other mm-hmm. of always coming from a place of we're learning we don't know everything and I don't care how many episodes we publish or years we live, we will still not know everything. Right. So I think that... Yeah. And that's okay. That's know. Yeah. yeah. I think just knowing y'all, it's a pretty safe bet that we're... that you're on a good trajectory there. Because y'all are pretty, <laughs> like, <things>. intentional. <laughs> so that's a, good, that's a good place to be. But that being said, if there is anyone listening who has something to add to the conversation, has something they want to make sure that we're aware of or should be aware of, we urge you and... Really hope that you do reach out, whether that's... That's why we have a Gmail. That's why we have a Gmail. And an Instagram and a TikTok toe. (laughs) TikTok, Mm -hmm. I mean. Um, So what has the scariest part been about starting your own LLC? Scariest, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Which I commend you both for. There's not one answer to that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, Go ahead. I would say the... I mean... (laughs) <laughs> my mind goes to the financial uh, mm-hmm. investment we've we've made. Mm-hmm. Again, I'll restate like I wouldn't change a thing because we definitely went through our ups and downs and we learned a ton because you cannot know everything going into it and you kind of have to practice acceptance in that. Mm. But that's the main reason I wanted to go in this is because it was exciting and scary at the same time. I mean, which I think is a good thing because we were able to both bring in our own experiences um, to the business and to the approach that we take with business um, and with with the people that we're trying to work with because it is like an organic, I think, mold of both of us. Whereas if we weren't, you know, quote-unquote beginners, it might be more of a rigid and, you know, structured approach mm-hmm. that we would have come in with. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we made plenty of mistakes along the way, whether it was, you know, different software that we thought we needed but we didn't or just in terms of how how we went about creating our website and you know my mom thinks it's perfect <laughs> that's good to hear we yeah. definitely put some mm-hmm. time and yeah. I mean there's guaranteed to be many more mistakes in the future too mm-hmm. I think Kate and I can relate to it too whereas like I mean this podcast is a silly little thing that we wanted to do for fun but also with you guys starting your own business like you get to make it really what you want it to be you guys have total control over the direction that it goes like everything and i think that's so incredible i think that's something we share all of us right like we're able to like approach our own businesses without like biases from past experiences mm-hmm. yeah and like it speaks to like the beginner's mind that we talk about a ton it's like imagine us going to this with a different mindset right like where for example like jake could start a business right he would have a ton of predispositions biases probably helpful advice but like in the mix of that helpful advice is there's other things that are making it more rigid so i think that the fact that we were able to come at it the way we did is mm-hmm. unique and same for you too hey everybody i'm jake and i'm mike and together we are limitless mental performance and we're trying to emphasize and express to everyone that mental skills training is for all not just elite athletes Yeah, whether you're working through an injury or working through beer for an upcoming presentation, we're here for you. Trying to make it more approachable and accessible for everyone. So let's collaborate and create a mental skills training program that fits your goals. 
feel free to reach out to us. Uh, our website is limitless-mp.com or limitless-mp.com. And you can reach us on social media on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at limitless.mentalperformance. Thanks for listening. On air in five, four, three, two. We were already on air. <laughs> yeah. Keep it. <laughs> well, I think we'd like to maybe give you guys like a sneak peek of what we, like an exercise that we might do with the team. Yeah. We're an organization. Yeah. So as Jake cracks the brew, I'll happily explain the prompt. Um, basically, the prompt is called the five Y exercise. It's extracted from the um, "To Sell Is Human" by Daniel H. Pink. I'll give credit because because I like I like Mark a lot. So, Dr. Mark Aoyagi uh, put me onto this book in his entrepreneurship class. He's also one of Jake and I's like most esteemed mentors and deserves a shout out because he's just a good human. And basically, what what happens is is that uh, in this instance, an individual will ask you, for example, why do you do what you do, right? And then you'll be able to answer that, right? But then, the, the, as the name implies, it's asked five times until you really get to the root of actually why you're doing what you're doing. Damn. So to, it, get, it can get deep. It can not. It depends on the person who's engaging in exercise. We encourage people to be pretty open yeah, about it. It can get as deep as you want to. But I think the deeper you allow yourself to be, the more beneficial it can be in the end. Certainly. So. Okay. Cool. I'm ready. I'm excited. So I guess maybe we'll ask jointly... Mm-hmm. Why do you do what you do? In reference to the podcast? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can start off with if Jeff. I guess I do what I do and what we do because Hannah and I's friendship has been an awesome outlet for me through the years, through the past mm, 16 years that we've known each other. And it's been really great to connect with each other and connect with others, feel like I have a voice. And I don't know. I, I guess, yeah. That's great. I, like, that's, like, a beautiful thing. I also want to just, like, preface the exercise as well that, like, there's no pressure to... It, it seems like, like, we're going to be asking you, like, why and, like, really digging to the core of things. And if you don't feel comfortable, like, continuing on, please don't feel pressured to do that. Because it, cause my next question to you is why. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> And that's only, you know, we're at the side. I see what you're saying. So you're you're saying don't don't spill all your beans at once. Like when there's a natural ending, then you can end it. And that's cool. Cool, cool. There's no Okay. I'm curious to hear your answer. But 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 so so just to continue on (laughs) exercise and bless you. Bless you. Continue on bless you you again. (laughs) Ask her why. When I have struggled the most, vulnerability and showing that vulnerability has benefited me. Um, profoundly and almost every time that I've shown that vulnerability at least at the beginning few times where it was the most difficult and raw and hard um, Hannah's been right there next to me whether that's been listening or supporting or sharing right back and so I think yeah I guess I'll end there just to natural end it why specifically has that been helpful for you because it shows that everyone struggles and that we're not alone and it has shown me that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to be supported and to support others and that honesty is okay to feel and then why is that important to you so many things in 
specifically American culture, but also I think anyone's life can be surface level to the point where you forget who you are and you forget why you are the way that you are or, or why you want to have the autonomy to decide who you are and living authentically to me means being honest with myself and with the people around me and to have a podcast where Hannah and I are both so honest and so real has forced me to be honest with the people I care most about whether that's my parents or siblings and I think that's been really amazing to experience it's a really good answer but why is that important and why is that why is that a great experience for you because the core of my existence is connection and I think that's probably the core for everybody's existence but someone I've connected the most with is Hannah Damish and I want to share that connection with the world there you go you, boom you did really you got good back, yeah, you got to the core of it you want so, to share that connection with the world so like boil it down right the connection right something you like it's one of your core values so like the the goal for us like when we're working with athletes is to get to that point but to do it in a way where we're not imposing on people i think the emphasis too is that it is within you mm-hmm. we don't operate from a deficit model right like there's something that we can give to you it's something that's already within you and we're just helping you bring it out mm-hmm. that's a really yeah. good way. yeah awesome. i feel like that's really valuable because i mean even observing you formulate the words to express that it made me think the same about like, okay, what the fuck? Why? I want you to answer too. Yeah, I mean, I can, but I just need somebody <clears throat> to ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We will. <laughs> I don't think anyone can do that. It's a key part of like what we do. We create that space that like otherwise wouldn't be there. So like, yeah. I think that that's like what yeah. we do. Like at its core, that's where I would have ended up, and I'm glad that that's where you ended up too. And I think that uh, it's a great exercise for that reason. So, you know, why do you do what you do? I do this podcast to have fun with my friend, to bring myself joy, to keep myself curious, and to engage in different uh, perspectives. I think we've already talked about this, Kate. It Like, you and I have very different existences and very different ways of processing the world. I don't know. We balance each other really well. And you bring up a lot of, of points and perspectives of life that I have never considered before. And I think vice versa. Talking to you is a lot of fun and I always learn something. So that's why I do this. I'll let these, Oh, you want me to keep asking? I will. If you'd like to. So Hannah, why? (laughs) my uh, personal development is important to me and this friendship is important to me I think through this podcast and through being intentional about communicating and exploring things together we grow and solidify our friendship further why? I mean I will say that this Friendship and this relationship has been one of the most significant ones of my entire life. Um, And I plan for that to continue on for as long as I exist. How many more wives do I have? Jesus. Why? Why? Uh, Because I don't know who I would be without you, honestly. 
you have shaped a lot of who I am. Um, you've, and I'm not gonna get emotional, but you can. Yeah, I won't. No. <laughs> um, but no, ever since we became tight in fourth grade, like you have been a very strong presence in the way that I think about myself, my decision making skills. Like you have been a very um, guiding presence for me in my development, and I think I've grown into a pretty amazing person with your help. Why? (laughs) Okay. Um, I mean, I think you hit it on the head when you said, like, the purpose of your existence is connection. And that's, I mean, I know that's the only thing that feeds me. And you are somebody that I have always felt seen by. And, oh, shit. Uh... Yeah, whenever I'm feeling at my lowest, you're somebody I can go to. And you'll always talk me through it. And yeah, you're my best friend, girl. <laughs> There's the root. And there it is. There she is. Damn, damn. damn. Best friend. Damn. You're a real bad bitch. <laughs> Got your own car. Tears all around. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I would agree. What do you think? Shit. Ditto. No, after that exercise, what do yeah, you think like about what are you, it? Yeah, how you feeling you about it? I mean, vulnerable, but you know, I get it. I think what? it's a cool exercise. I think yeah. it also makes me really proud but grateful because these are things, none of that was new to either of us. Mm-mm. Granted, we've had 16 years to be, you know, friends with each other, but the fact that those are things that we have said to each other on a regular basis, I think is pretty cool. And yeah. and the fact that when it all came down to it, the reason we did want to start this podcast was for connection, mm-hmm. for the sake of our relationship and sharing it with whoever the fuck wants to listen in, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for uh, validating that for us. Thanks for engaging. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and run it again. Run it again, run it again and again and again, and use it with your other friends. Like keep keep it rocking, and whoever's listening should probably use it too. Yeah, because it's just good to know your why. So my question for you both, now that we've hit Take the hard first. stuff, yes, actually this is more up Jake's alley, good. I assume. Good, good, good. Um, if if you had the opportunity to be on a reality TV show, which reality TV show would you choose to be on, and why? Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Mike's got an answer. He's directed at me. I'll speak for you about it. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'll put you on one, and then you put me I'm on one. I'm just intro-ing it for you, but you okay. got be ready. Okay, you put Ten me on seconds. an reality show, and I'll put you on one. Basically, what happened was, I don't know if it was like a week, maybe two weeks ago, Jake had informed me that he was uh, DM'd on LinkedIn. No surprise. Nope. No surprise. Look at the guy. No surprise. Look at the guy. He was DM'd, right? And I forget the show. It was uh, Love is Blind. I was informed as well. Sweet, thank you. was a bit livid after Love I was Love is Blind. Then it Colon, down after the proposal. Oh my god, I'm out of the loop. After the proposal. We were screening in Denver. No. Continue, Mike. Tell yeah. us about Jake's brush uh, thing. Basically, all I wanted to say was that I was proud of Jake for that. Thank you. For I'm what exactly? proud of me too. It's a pretty prestigious opportunity. You seek, <laughs> I'm you still debating. I'm still debating. <laughs> you were DM'd by somebody from Yeah, one of the Love's casting Line. directors. Come on yeah. now. Of course he was. What did they say? 
I mean, I could read you the message, but I mean, it was basically like, hey, saw your LinkedIn profile. It looks great. Like we're casting in Denver. So basically, to know if you'd are you shirtless in your LinkedIn try profile? Try out. I'm not. Might as well be. Fascinating that they use LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. I was interesting too. Yeah, I had to bring it up. Anyway, Jake. So would you go on that show? Um, probably not. I think there's more fun ones out there. I would put Mike on thinks, but. like Bachelor in Paradise. Because so it is on the beach, so you could do a lot of surfing. Done yeah. deal. Be- uh, I don't think anybody has ever surfed. Or at least a lot of, you could do a lot of swimming. Just water, anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no one has really ever taken to the water. I think the point is to stay drunk on the beach mm-hmm. and create drama. You seem relatively drama cast. free. Yeah, Mike's pretty drama free. the wrong cast, I'll be yeah. swimming the whole time. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Mike's on Bachelor in Paradise. You're just ideally in girlfriend jail forever. <laughs> That's where you are. <laughs> I just think you would do too well on a reality TV. You do really well. Because you do way better than me. You do Seriously. way better than anyone. Anyone even know? He's like, I've never done this before. I'm just gonna try. Oh, I yeah. guess I won a million dollars for being a genuine guy. Fuck you. <laughs> Someone's salty. <laughs> I just yeah. Sorry to bring that up. Uh, Mid sore, sore subject. subject. I know my place. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. I guess I don't know mine. No, you do. (laughs) Mike, I know you have a background beyond just sport being, you know, the band that you Oh, God. (laughs) Honestly, I'm super super proud of it. Like, I was in a few bands, yeah. A Um, few? Yeah, we just Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I would say one legitimate band. Um, But we, you know... When I was a kid, I was in a bunch of talent shows and stuff, and basically, I started out as like a rock and metal drummer, and now in my twenties, I'm more like jazz and reggae. So I calmed down a little bit. Mike, if you ever need someone to fill in for you, my cousins and I were gonna start a Christian rock band. <laughs> they told me I couldn't sing, so they put me on drums, and uh, never touched a drum set in my life. But I'm happy to sub for you. Let's go. I mean, I was uh, partial to the drums and rock band, so... There we go. That's enough. We could have an all-drummer band. <gasps> could we out. have That'd it? That would be cool, actually. In, that would be cool. in the sphere of reggae, is an all-drummer band possible? I honestly am really new to the field of reggae. Like, I am i don't really know enough, but I do know of a good amount of rock bands and, like, alternative bands and, stu- and such that have, like, multiple drummers. Interesting. So we can make this work. We may have to look into it. <laughs> Please get back to me because I'm open to it. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I need to ask, what was the first band name that you were in? Well, the one that was like probably most pr- prominent. Like uh-huh. we had like a show and it was like Battle of Bands and shit. And <gasps> played like Freebird and <gasps> like really oh. great like guitars for switching off solos and shit. It was cool. Amazing. Probably the coolest moment in my life. But. Uh, I was like 12. I think the band is oh. called, I'm pretty sure it's called Renegade. Nice. And it I've was heard like, of it. Oh, I wish, but no. <laughs> Super local. But local we, to where? Would any of our listeners know? Long Island. Anybody, anybody out there from Long Island? Or Long what? Island, New York. Yeah. You know. We have listeners from all over. Honestly, we have European listeners. There's got to be Asians. someone from Long Island. There's like way too many people there anyway. But <laughs> yeah, uh, it was cool. I like definitely reflect on those moments and I'm like damn I should be in a band like I should have been from then on because it was so cool what kind of hobbies do you enjoy Jake what do you do outside of limitless mental performance I definitely have started getting into ultra running this past year 
You did your first ultra? Yes, I did my first ultra in July. And an ultra would be any race distance above a marathon. So you so did. I did a, a 50k, which was 32 miles. I did an it? ultra trail race, so that was. Hang on, hang on. This was at altitude. The lovely altitude of, Dude, of Colorado. More than um, more than Denver. Let's just put uh-huh. it. Yes, yes. Right. Up, to, up to 12,000 feet. Dude. And he killed that 50k. Mm-hmm. He was a beginner. We were all there. I did my best to keep that no, beginner's mindset did. through the whole process, hey, and it was so fun. While Jakob was a beginner, he still placed within the top 10. I did bring signs with glitter blue. I think that's what made you win the top. There was. You didn't win. Was. You won in my heart. But. So I got into ultra running. That's been a long time passion of mine, and that's something that I've wanted to get into, and also possibly individuals I'd love to work with in the future. Um, I also love snowboarding. Have been doing that my whole life. We also rip concerts whenever we can. Yes, live music. Ideally more often, but yeah. we've been busy with the business. Okay, <laughs> Mike and Jake, I'm curious, both of you, do you have a book or podcast recommendation for us slash listeners? Can be related to the fields, can be totally random. That's a great question. We To start it off, we have a fantastic number of both on our website. So it's limitless-mp.com. And we have it under our resources tab. I don't think it's exhaustive, but I think that it's a good place to start. What I will be posting on next week, which is something cool to plug right here, is uh, what I've been working on, which is like breathwork. And um, the author's name is James Nestor, and the book's called Breath. So I recommend it to like literally everyone uh, that I can because it's pretty much changed my life as to like what breathing actually is and how it can... Uh, impact and benefit your emotional and mental health. So, Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art by James Nestor. Cool. Check awesome. it out if you... Does it have lungs with, like, dots on the cover? Sure does. I have heard of that. I've been Whoa. wanting to read it. It changed, yeah, it changed everyone I know's life that's read it, so it's, I think it's worth a read. That's nice. amazing. Um, I would recommend a podcast uh, that I've been listening to for a couple of years now. Uh, it's called The Rich Roll Podcast. Um, One of my favorites that you showed me, actually. Yeah, I'm always have always looking to recommend it to someone because uh, it's I think both like a fun and professional podcast at the same time. He interviews a very, and that's no exaggeration when I say very, like a broad spectrum of individuals. It's a wide swath of the population. Yeah, and go. from any sort of backgrounds to uh, current positions to goals and just everything in between and kind of I would say gives each person an honest look and an honest representation in terms of who they are and what they're trying to do in this world because I think the goal of this podcast is really to to share stories of personal transformation Mm. um, in order to hopefully inspire and educate others. I know he certainly has inspired and educated myself and has been a big inspiration for our own podcast and how interview formats and the best questions to ask and whatnot so Thank you, Jake, and thank you, Ritual. Well, you too. How can we reach you and learn more about Limitless Mental Performance? Uh, our website, limitless-mp.com, first and foremost. Um, excited to, to see everyone there. We've also got social media through uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Um, I'd say we're equally active on all of them, but uh, probably most predominantly on Instagram. What's so your we handle? can interact with people. Uh, it's Limitless dot mental performance. Reach out. We're always looking to chat with people, whether in the comments or shoot us an email. Honestly, even just DM us. Like, if you want to just 
like talk about something like we're cool with just like talking to the general public it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be anything formal just reach out well awesome mm-hmm. thank you guys so much for chatting with us taking the time out of your days mm-hmm. to be on our podcast it's been awesome to watch you guys excel in the business world and the sports and performance psychology Field. Yeah, arena or arena or a pool options go, are limitless <laughs> thank you guys mm-hmm. yeah. thanks for having us yeah thank you for having us happiest of Mondays we'll catch you next time on that's, that's a, a good turn, turn. <laughs> bye <laughs> bye Thank you so much for listening to Glad Took a Turn, the podcast written, produced, and everything by us, Kate Geary and Hannah Domish. It's pretty DIY. If you're digging the pod, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Glad Took a Turn wherever you're listening to this podcast. I mean, if you made it to this point, you at least were like bored enough to listen. I know. Either way, you can also check us out on Instagram at That Took a Turn Podcast. Special thanks to Garrett Burns. Our theme song is by Music Unlimited. This has been High Handsome Prince Production. Bye.